Hey, Dynasty Freaks. Just wanted to let you know that this podcast was recorded on Monday afternoon before the Monday night game started and before the tragic incident took place where uh, DeMar Hamlin was had a cardiac arrest on the field. Game was paused, was pretty tragic, and no one knows what to say or do other than to pray. And so I wanted to be sure that you knew I was praying for Hamlin and that this podcast was recorded. Hopefully there's nothing insensitive in it regarding uh, football when there's certainly more important matters at hand. Um, hope, though, that we that he gets well and we can resolve these fantasy championships uh, in time. Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So to you, let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 214, the last of the regular season. So sad. By the time you're hearing this, fantasy trophies and payouts have been rewarded. Uh, I hope that you did better than I did since I failed to win a Dynasty League again for the second year in a row, which is rough. It was a very rough championship week, uh, full of surprises, which were mostly unwelcomed by Dynasty managers. Uh, Still, the 17 weeks have been a blast. Uh, We've enjoyed every minute of watching football. I know I have and following my dynasty teams along the way. And before I switch into off-season mode uh, next week and start rookie scouting, which will be pretty fun, I just wanted to present a few final thoughts on this championship week from a dynasty perspective. Here they go. First would be just thinking about this whole championship week. The number one thing that was crazy was the quarterback shuffle. It was the craziest thing leading up to championship week. It was the shuffling of the quarterbacks. The biggest news, of course, was that Derek Carr was finally shown the bench, and then he promptly left the team, leaving Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller managers with Jarrett Stidham to be the guy that's going to move their offense. And to their great pleasure, he actually played better than Carr in recent weeks. But the same cannot be said for all the other teams whose quarterback situation got shaken up, uh, leading to championship week. The Cardinals started David Blau instead of Trace McSorley after Colt McCoy also couldn't play, so arguably their fourth-string quarterback. The Eagles turned again to to Gardner Minshew, who really laid an egg this week, especially compared to last week versus the Cowboys. Mike White returned for the Jets, but he had his worst game of the year as a starter. Uh, Carson Wentz played terribly more on him in a moment as he made his first start back after coming in a little bit at the end of the last game. Tyler Huntley started ahead of Lamar Jackson, who could not, and he could not move the offense. Nick Foles was still named the starter um, after a terrible first start of the season last week. Uh, He got injured, and then so Sam Ellinger was the one who had to complete the game. And then Teddy Bridgewater was starting for Tua Togavola, and he was because of his concussion protocol, but then he broke his finger, so Skylar Thompson had to come in to play for him. Uh, Josh Dodds, Uh, started for the Titans on Thursday night, too, and at least he looked okay, uh, better than Malik Willis. But still, every quarterback shuffle throughout this week brought their team's dynasty fantasy production, their fantasy production way down, except for Jared Stidham, uh, making this championship week pretty much a beatdown for dynasty managers, I think. Um, As I uh, talked about last week on the podcast, I expect there's going to be a massive shuffle of quarterbacks 
in the mar- in the offseason this season with more than 33% of teams with a new starting quarterback. Too bad we kind of got a taste of it early because it felt like that's what it happened this week and of all weeks during championship week affecting so many teams. Not really a dynasty take there except that this is going to happen next year too. Quarterback shuffle is going to be big next year. Don't be too secure in your uh, super flex leagues that you have a starting quarterback because you might not. Second thing I'd make an observation of this week would be what I just call championship duds. This is more of my little personal lament. Only just so I can identify, and you probably can identify with this too if you were in my shoes. Uh, many players that carry dynasty teams into championship week were just total duds this week and uh, didn't, you know, particularly the week when they counted for the most. Uh, depending on how well Joe Mixon plays on Monday night, I scored the lowest or maybe the second lowest points of the season in my lone Super Bowl mashup. I'm sitting right now at 74 points in the PPR league because I had to start Gardner Minshew because Lamar Jackson was injured and Derek Carr got benched. But then I was still confident because the players that I rode into the Super Bowl were great. But this time they only scored one touchdown between all of them. Unbelievable. Tyreek Hill scored the one touchdown, but Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews, Delvin Cook, not one between them. Crazy. So managers that were riding these great players into their championships really left disappointed, as were the managers of Saquon Barkley, Travis Kelsey, Garrett Wilson, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Jalen Waddell, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, even Amon Ross St. Brown, and more. It was a tough week for a lot of the top-scoring players that kind of buoyed teams into the playoffs and maybe into the Super Bowl. But then they had a lot of sad news and surprises in the Super Bowl matchups. Feeling you. I'm feeling you. I can feel it too. Then it would also say, in addition to that, what was crazy is there were some big bummer blowouts. So fantasy production uh, by a few teams was really affected drastically because of the early blowouts by teams that didn't need to win. So unlike Tennessee, who actually benched all of their starters on Thursday night, uh, Jacksonville stated all week that they planned to play all their starters this week, even though the game had no playoff implications. Uh, They were true to their word. The only thing was that they jumped out to such a huge lead over the Texans that they just throttled it down and took out most of their offensive starters. And as a result, all the players on Jacksonville underperformed, except for those who were lucky enough to still have something out of Travis Etienne, who thankfully racked up 21.5 fantasy points, scoring on a 62-yard touchdown before they pulled him from the game. It was not as bad, you know, with the Giants and the Lions, but those those teams jumped off to big leagues too. And they, they didn't really pull players, but they stepped off the gas a lot, were more conservative on offense. Only Daniel Jones and Jamal Williams left their dynasty managers happy in the in championship week on those two teams. There was just a lot left on the bone in the Giants games and the Lions games, but they just didn't have to be aggressive and do very much. So these big blowouts also affected championship week. So pretty bad news all around for sure. Next observation, I'll call it a not taking command. Man, Carson Wentz. He was given command over the commanders for the second, you know, for the second week now after he came in at the end of last week to try to save the team. But on Sunday, he did not prove anything. He, all he did was prove is that the team needs a new quarterback next year. Uh, we're not, it were not for a quarterback sneak that he had for a touchdown, he would have scored 1.85 fantasy points this week, and he threw three interceptions. Now, he's thrown for a total of 266 yards when he's come back into the game these last two weeks, and it's just not enough. The production of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, who should be one of the best young receiving duos in the NFL, aren't. 
And Wentz's starting days, I think, are over in the NFL. He might just get that one start and automatically be pulled next week. The Commanders, you know, have so much money in him, it's going to be interesting to see if they keep him as a backup or if they just pay the price to cut him. I don't think he's a tradable player, but he's not going to be a starter anymore. He's a career backup from here on. The Commanders, what they should have done is they should have turned to Sam Howell much earlier in the season, but they stubbornly thought that they can make the playoffs with Wentz and Heineke or even go further into the playoffs when they should have known they can't with those two guys. That was a huge mistake. Howell better start this week in Week 18, so they at least get to have him have NFL action live, not preseason, but live game at least once to see what they have in him. Uh, pretty, pretty difficult uh, to watch the whole Washington offense suffer because their quarterback was so bad. Next one, don't blame a bad quarterback, but blame a quarterback for just mixing up too much. I'll call it KC confusion. Uh, after nearly an entire season of consistent production, as Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, Second highest target, Juju Smith-Schuster, has been overlooked the last two weeks. Of course, they happen to be our playoff weeks, right? And I'm starting to wonder if he's going to be on the team next year um, at all, if the surrounding players get more involved at the end of the season like they have right now. As Jarek McKinnon has gotten more involved in the offense, especially in the passing game, younger players like Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney are getting more involved. Juju really could be the last man out. Juju's uh, contract expires at the end of this year, making him one of the many kind of middle-tier wide receivers that are just going to be fighting for relevant roles on their teams next year. There are many times this season when I actually thought that he could earn a new contract with the Chiefs, which would be great for his dynasty value, and that those things could work. But the last two weeks are starting to make me lose confidence in that. Uh, As we do this uh, valuable dynasty asset, he's losing all that now. He's young enough to still have some value, but I think that the Chiefs really desire to create a role for their younger players, one that they traded for in Tony and one that they drafted last year and more. I just think they're going to start to take over more of the action and Juju's days in KC are numbered and that may mean his future is number two. Next, I'll call it better late than never just to call out the best performance this week. Better late than never. If some dynasty managers, if some of you out there somehow snuck into the Super Bowl uh, with Mike Evans on your roster, uh, as poor as his production was the last few weeks, well, good for you because he gave a Super Bowl winning performance this week. Uh, Evan scored the most fantasy points he's ever scored in his incredibly productive career. Pretty wild. 43.7 half PPR points after receiving three touchdowns on 10 catches and 207 yards. Unbelievable. I lost by two points last week in a league where I started Evans. And, and uh, I'm like, where was that when I needed it? I actually heard this week that the CBS Fantasy Football Podcast guys gave uh, Mike Evans career stats against Carolina, and they were ridiculous career stats. And they predicted a massive game for him, especially since Carolina was missing some secondary, particularly J.C. Uh, uh, JC uh, Jackson, or whatever his name is, the, their corner, now that he was out. out. <clears throat> it looked like uh, he was going to have a great game, and sure enough, he did. At least I did with, take this knowledge, and I put him in my DraftKings lineup and won some money this week. But I much rather would have had him in my lineup playing for a Super Bowl, but he didn't do it for me last week. If he was on your Super Bowl roster this week, you undoubtedly took home the prize money, I would guess. Uh, He was the star of the week by far. As for his dynasty value, Tampa Bay is one of the many teams that I predict will have a new quarterback this year, this next year, which makes Evans' dynasty value a, a bit more precarious for sure. But still, he's produced every year that he's been around, and he's, you know, one of the most consistent fantasy wide receivers in NFL history, really hitting that 1,000-year mark again and receiving. I don't see why he can't do it again with another quarterback, but uh, we'll see. 
Tom Brady had been struggling all, all week, but somehow that or all year connecting with him on the deep balls, but not not last week. Congrats if you had him. Next, I'll say, uh, show me more. Show me more. M-O-O-R-E. <laughs> I'll admit when I'm wrong. <clears throat> and I've been wrong about DJ Moore over the last few weeks of the season when he had Sam Darnold. Uh, and they just seem to find something. They have a connection together that's really been great here at the last part of the season. Uh, Darnold has not done enough to make me think that the Panthers are going to re-sign him after his contract expires this season. But he's shown what a quarterback that's not afraid to throw the ball deep can do to unleash Moore's ability. Uh, Tua Tungvaola is the only starting quarterback with more yards per attempt than Darnold, if you count 75 attempts or more. Darnold averages 8.6 yards per attempt, and his willingness to throw the ball downfield makes me reconsider Moore's dynasty value. In the games when Moore has been healthy, this is crazy, and when he's been healthy and playing with Darnold, he's averaged 25.6, 14.6, 16.6, and 19.5 yards per catch, and he scored a touchdown in every one of those four games. Hopefully the new coaching staff, whoever it is, if Wilkes doesn't end up getting to keep the job, whoever it is, they're going to watch this film and they're going to learn that they need to deploy more the same way downfield and they need to sign or draft a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball deep. If they do, I'll recant my previous takes on DJ Moore and see his uh, dynasty value rise a little bit more, in my opinion. Two more for you here. Uh, a couple more for you. I think three more here. We've got uh, Show Me the Money. <clears throat> show me the money. I'll admit when I'm wrong, like I just did with DJ Moore, but I'll also boast a bit when I'm right. Uh, Daniel Jones is one of the players that I talked about most leading into the season because I believe that Dayball, new head coach, would change the Giants' offense for the better and make Jones a more consistent quarterback. Uh, he's not considered a starter in one-quarterback leagues by most people, but really he should be. He was already the 11th-ranked quarterback headed into Sunday, and after his 38th-point game, he's going to move up ahead of Justin Herbert, Jared Goff, and Justin Fields, on total points, quarterback points this week. It's crazy. Uh, he gets a lot of his fantasy points on the ground, and after Sunday's two touchdowns running, he's fifth in the league as a quarterback in rushing yards with 708, tied for third with most rushing touchdowns with seven, tied with Josh Allen. Now, Brian Dayball, the head coach, he's not going to make Jones into Josh Allen like he did in Buffalo, but he can make him a much better quarterback than he already has. The Giants chose not to re-sign Jones before the season started, but now I think they're going to have to pay him uh, because he's led the team to an NFL pl- to, to the NFL playoffs for the first time since 2016. So good good for Daniel Jones, and I'm, I'm glad that my take on him has been has been right. I've got him as quarterback in a couple of my super flex leagues, and super happy to have him there. And now uh, two more for you here. I'll call it healing up well. I always have to include a pun within my uh, within my titles. Heal, healing healing up well. I'm talking about about Cam Akers. He's healing up well after his Achilles heel injury. Uh, he looked like a superstar, giving the Rams confidence to keep him as their starter uh, when he should return even stronger next year. Uh, this year, you might call it the year of the Achilles test. So you had Deontay Foreman, you had James Robinson, and Cam Akers all trying to prove that running backs can come back from what's typically known as a devastating injury, particularly for a running back. Foreman had a little bit longer to heal, but he's had arguably his best year of his career. Robinson came back the fastest that we've ever seen for an Achilles injury, and uh he looked good at the start of the season, but then he ultimately got traded to the Jets, then he got surpassed in the depth chart, so it's kind of the verdict still out on Robinson, who will surely be with another team next year. And then there's Akers, who struggled at the start of the season, uh, physically just didn't look the same, and then he got on the doghouse with the team somehow, but somehow, pretty rare, he bounced back out of the doghouse enough to earn favor with the team, enough to give him 18 touches per game over the last five weeks. 
compiling 97 total yards per game over the last five weeks. Over the last two in particular, he's had 118 yards in one game, 123 this last week. And more than that, he's just looked good. He's looked fantastic. Managers that were patient with him, you know, I think are going to have a really solid wide uh, running back number two next year, which is way more than you would have expected a year ago after you got Andrews, and even way more than you would have expected, you know, let alone at the start of the season when it just didn't look like he was going to be able to come back from this injury. He's looked great the last five weeks and pretty exciting if you were patient with him or if you somehow traded for him like I did in one of my leagues. Finally, I'll call it a final sign of hope. <clears throat> one of the other big news items that happened this week is the Broncos chose Russell Wilson over Nathaniel Hackett this week, firing Hackett and stating their belief in Wilson. Uh, Wilson Russell had one of his best games of the year this week, scoring twice on the ground and once through the air. Uh, one game definitely does not make a trend. We know that for sure. But at least there was some sign of life and even fight in the Broncos as they battled the Chiefs to the very end, losing by just three points. From a dynasty perspective, it is significant that the Broncos chose Russell over Hackett. You know, because of their financial commitment, they kind of had to. But it was still just a tiny, a tiny sign of faith. Whether sincere or contrived, several players spoke out in Wilson's defense this week, and it just looked like on the field that they were playing just a little bit harder with Hackett out of the picture. If Wilson's going to revive his dynasty value and boost the value of other players around him on the team, I think he just needs to become a better teammate and less of a prima donna. I actually named my dog after Russell Wilson. Some of you know that. And this year, he made me the, the real Russell Wilson made me regret naming my dog after him. It's less about the quality of play. It's really just more about his attitude, his prima donna tendencies. Hopefully, he can regain the locker room, act like he did when he first, you know, was signed as a third-round draft pick and had to prove himself in Seattle. He needs to take on that same attitude, come back, win back the Broncos' locker room. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that. Uh, he may be too far gone from the mental side of that, in my opinion. But I sure hope he does because he really was a fun player to root for when he was doing great. And we want him to raise the dynasty stock again of all those Broncos players that are really a lot of you know young weapons that could develop. All right, I tried to stay positive, even though I didn't win any championships. If you're listening, I hope that you won yours and you're rejoicing on this Tuesday morning if you're listening and when it comes out. I do appreciate your support for becoming a Dynasty Freak and a fan. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'd also be honored if you'd like to contact me at DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. That's Dynasty Freaks with two E's. Love to hear how your season went and connect with you. Again, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted voice in the Dynasty landscape. Off-season's coming. I'm going to keep the podcast coming out on a weekly basis just like this, but shifting the topics to lots of other things Dynasty. That's why it's fun to be a Dynasty freak and keep staying involved all season long. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.